The prayer altar is paid for by the friends and partners of Jonathan Dorn Ministries and InPartJesus.com. The prayer altar is proud to celebrate 11 years interceding for the nations of the world. Join us the first of every month for Holy Communion live on the prayer altar. Brought to you by InPartJesus.com. An all-new The Prayer Altar starts now. Brought to you by InPartJesus.com We are live today. I'm so blessed and honored to have each and every one of you, those that are listening now live and also those that are listening to this recording. Welcome to the prayer altar. We are here for afternoon prayer. We're here to continue the series entitled, Lord, Teach Me How to Pray. This is one of the most important, most important series that we've ever done here on the prayer altar. Why is that? Because prayer is the key. Prayer is our most powerful action, the most powerful movement that we can make in the realm of the spirit. The most powerful practice in the earth realm is the practice of the discipline of prayer. Prayer is the key to the mind of God. Prayer is the key to the answer, the answer you've been looking for, the revelation, the wisdom, the understanding, the miracle, the healing, the deliverance. It's through prayer. You're going to receive it by faith in Jesus' name. When you pray, the Bible says, believe and you shall receive. Prayer is the key. It opens the windows of heaven. It unlocks the supernatural in your life. And so we want to continue talking about how to pray. What are the keys? What is it that we need to know that's going to help us and strengthen our prayer life? Amen. Again, I welcome you to the prayer altar. I'm Prophet Jonathan Dorn. I love you all. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you taking this time to listen. Jesus loves you. Oh, yes, Jesus loves you that are listening today. I hope that you know that he cares for you. 
And if you're listening and you have not accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and your Savior, He wants to save you today. Today is the day of salvation. Somebody listening, you might have drifted away from God. You might have once had a relationship with God, but you allowed the cares of this life. Maybe you allowed disappointments, hurts, suffering loss in your life to cause you to just back away from God. But today is the day. I believe today is the day that you're going to get closer to God again. You're going to develop a relationship with God again. You're not listening to this by accident. You might have clicked on to this and you said, well, how did I get on this? Why am I listening to this? You're listening to this because God has a purpose for your life. There's a purpose and there is an anointing on your life. And I'm here simply as a servant, a servant of the most high God to decree and declare over you. It's not over. God is not through with you yet. He never left you. He's with you. The Lord, your God, he is real and he's with you. And he's going to manifest himself to you again. Some of you, you're listening and you say, I just don't feel that I'm as close to God as I used to be. I just don't pray like I used to pray. I don't, I don't feel the same feeling. Well, I want you to know it's more than a feeling. The power of God is so much more than a feeling. So don't you worry about if you feel like, well, I don't feel like I used to feel. I'm not as excited as I used to be. I'm not as, I just don't feel the same. It's not a feeling. Your relationship with God is too powerful. It is too powerful. It, is, it literally means the difference between you going to hell and you going to heaven. Your relationship with God is so powerful that it changes the very trajectory of your life to where you are no longer headed for damnation. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is real. Your relationship with God is so powerful that you are no longer headed for hell. You are headed for heaven where the streets are paved with gold, where your name can be found written in the Lamb's book of life by faith, not by your feelings. You're saved today by faith. You are called the righteousness of God by faith. It's not by your feelings. So don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking, I just don't feel saved. I don't feel powerful. I don't feel. Let, let's get out of our feelings and let's step into our faith. Amen. Somebody say amen. Let's get out of our feelings. Let's take a moment right now to put our minds on Jesus. We're getting ready to pray. We're getting ready to go to the word of God. If you don't have your Bibles, go get your Bibles. We're getting ready to pray. We're going to go to the word of God. And I want you to know today that this is all about faith. This is not about feelings. This is about faith. It is faith 
that pleases God. The Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. You are saved today by faith. You are delivered today. I don't care what held you, held, held you captive before. You are free according to your faith. Oh my goodness. Some of you are waiting for a healing. You're waiting for God to just complete that healing because you, you, some of you, you feel like I was healed and I was doing good and I was feeling good, but now I don't feel good anymore. Remember, it's not about your feelings. It's about your faith. So don't ask your body if you are healed. Tell your body that you are healed. I'm going to say that again because somebody you need to receive what I just said. Don't ask your body if you're healed. Tell your body that you are healed. Somebody you're listening today, there's pain in your body. As I'm talking to you right now, sickness, pain, inflammation, discomfort, all types of attacks against your body. Some of you are going through affliction right now. Some of you are facing an infirmity, a spirit of infirmity right now. Whether it be a spirit of infirmity or whether it be an affliction, a one-day affliction, a two-day affliction, a one-week affliction, you never know. The enemy comes from all sides sometimes trying to hinder the people of God. But the Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God delivers us out of them all. The Bible says that he heals us. He heals our diseases. Who? The Spirit of God. He heals our diseases. He helps our infirmities. Do you believe that today? The Bible says, oh, glory be to God. He heals our infirmities. He helps our diseases. And with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, if you believe that today, somebody say, I'm healed. Somebody shout, I'm healed. Somebody tell your body, I'm healed. Somebody tell your pain, I'm healed. Tell your discomfort, I'm healed. Tell your mind, I'm healed. Tell your brain, I'm healed. It's not about what I feel, it's about what I believe. Somebody say, I believe God. Come on, clap your hands right where you're listening. We're about to pray. And the anointing of God is about to touch someone who's been going through an affliction in their body, somebody that's been having pain in your body, somebody that's been under the attack of the enemy. There's about to be a tangible anointing that's going to touch you today from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. There's an, oh, somebody, you better open up your mouth and begin to praise him. I feel that right now. The virtue of the Holy Spirit is moving faster than the speed of light to pain, to sickness, to inflammation, to arthritis, to all types of diseases, blood diseases, blood disorders, disorders in the body, disorders in the mind, disorders in the spirit are falling into alignment. The anointing of God that destroys the yoke is being sent on an assignment to touch your body today. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're facing, but all I know is 
is, is that we serve a God that is a healer. I wish somebody would clap their hands right now. Open up your mouth right now and shout, I am healed. Oh, come on and shout, I'm healed. Come on and clap your hands and shout, I'm healed. Somebody clap your hands because clapping is the language of authority. Oh, Somebody say, I have authority. Say, I have authority. Clapping is the language of authority because the devil has no authority in the earth realm. This is why Jesus sent his son. He sent his son in a human body because he could not step on the earth unless he break spiritual protocol. Oh my goodness, let me go back and make sure you understand what I'm talking about. God created the earth but he didn't create the earth for human, for, for spirits. He created the earth for human bodies. The Bible says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God had to send his son in a temple, in a body. He sent his son in a body. He couldn't come in the earth. He could come in the earth without a body, but he would be doing it illegally. We serve a God that abides by his own laws. He abides by his own restrictions. He can do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to be in right standing. Uh, everything is lawful, but everything is not expedient. So he chose, he made a decision to come in a human body. And he said, if I'm going to come in a human body, then I have to destroy sin in the flesh. So he took that human body and he nailed it to a cross so that that human body could go down into the earth and die so that the spiritual body, which is greater than the human body, could be resurrected to life Oh, who am I talking to today? In other words, when you clap your hands, you are telling the enemy, you are telling the devil that I have authority in this human body, the spirit on the inside of me. Oh, glory be to God. It is the same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead. For the Bible says that if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, if he dwell in you, oh my goodness, if he dwell in you, he's going he's gonna to quicken you. He's going to quicken you by his spirit. Now somebody clap your hands and begin to say, I have authority. Somebody clap your hands and begin to say that I am healed. With his stripes, I'm healed. By the blood of Jesus, I'm healed. Somebody decree and declare today I am healed and I have authority we're going to begin by praying the Lord's prayer and then I'm going to pray as the spirit leads me to pray somebody needs a touch from God there's an anointing moving upon you as you clap your hands as you open up your mouth as you begin to talk back to the devil as you begin to let the enemy know that I'm not just going to sit here and let you attack my body I'm not just going to sit here and just accept the fact that I have this pain or I have this disease or I have this infirmity no I'm going to decree and declare that I am healed I'm going to open up my 
my mouth with a mighty decree. I'm going to believe. I'm going to have faith in God. And it is by faith that I'm going to be able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. The fiery darts of the wicked have, have been put out by the power of the shield of my faith that is in Christ Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and, and shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody give him the highest praise. Somebody clap your hands and praise him just for the next few seconds. For the next few seconds right there in your house. Somebody, you need to open up your mouth. Somebody, you need to clap your hands. Somebody, you need to give God glory. For the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible said we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. Somebody magnify him and bless his name. Somebody glorify him and give him the praise that is due to his name. Father, we lift you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your life that you died so that we can live. You got up from the grave. You got up from the dead with all power in your hand. And we thank you, Jesus, that you gave us that power. You gave us that spirit. You gave us that anointing, the same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver Deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the glory. Thine is the power forever and ever. Amen and amen. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that every man, every woman that is listening under the sound of my voice, I pray that they understand the power, the anointing, and the authority that you have given them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they walk in. Lord, let us walk in that resurrection power. Lord God, let us walk in the same power that raised you from the dead. It is the power of faith. Lord, you said in your word that if we have faith, the size of a grain of a mustard seed, that we can tell the mountain to move out of our way. And it has to move out of our way. We give you praise now that we can speak those things that be not as though they were and it shall be established. So we pray today in Jesus' mighty name that we would begin to open our mouths. We pray in the name of Jesus that the word of God would be on the inside of us. Lord God, there are many of us that we don't have a desire to pray because we haven't been reading the word of God. Lord, our prayer today is that you give us a hunger. Holy Spirit, put a hunger on the inside 
outside of us. Father, put a longing, Lord, on the inside of us. Lord God, put a desire, put a thirsting on the inside of us. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger for your word. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that as we hunger and as we thirst after righteousness, we thank you that we shall be filled. Father, I give you praise today that every man, every woman that is listening under the sound of my voice, that have not been reading the word of God, have not been studying the word of God, have not been hearing the word of God, have not been meditating on the word of God. We pray now for a super supernatural mind renewal we come against in the name of Jesus we bind appetite suppressant spirits we come against Lord God spiritual eating disorders the devil the enemy that has come to steal our divine supernatural appetite our desire for the word of God we come against him father in the name of Jesus anything that you did not sow into our life anything that you didn't plant on the inside of us we give you permission today to go down in our bellies go down on the inside and begin to take it out today oh God in the name of Jesus we pray the prayer that David prayed we pray Lord create in me create in me a clean heart renew in me renew in me a right spirit Lord God if there's something in me that doesn't want to seek you if there's something in me that doesn't want to hear the word if there's anything in me that is rebelling against the truth Father we pray that you take it out oh God Lord God the enemy that doesn't want us to hear the word because we believe that the word of God is life for the worlds were framed by faith and by the word of God the worlds were shaped and formed and developed by faith and by the word of God the worlds came into divine order the world came into divine alignment by faith and by the word of God so we pray now now in the name of Jesus let our world let our war our world let our world come into alignment by faith and by the word of God let our mind come into alignment let us receive the mind of Christ by faith and by the word of God father in the name of Jesus begin to take out the appetite in us the appetite for things that are not of God the appetite for things that are not of God the appetite for things that are not of God we come against we bind the works of the enemy father today we're asking for you to sanctify us again Lord set us apart Lord God put us back in our divine place of consecration again Lord God not by works lest any man should boast not by works unless we replace what you did on the cross except Christ Lord God be dead and be, be slain and be crucified in vain and lest Christ be resurrected in vain 
Lord God, today, let it not be of works, but Lord God, let it be by faith. Let the consecration, let the deliverance that takes place in your people, let it be by faith today. Let it be not of works, let it be not of the flesh, but let it be by the Spirit. For you said it's not by power, it's it's not by might, Lord God, but it's by my Spirit. Say it, the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray the word of God, for it is the word of faith that shall save the sick. It is the word of faith that shall save those that are sick with sin, those that are sick in their minds. Lord God, because of sin, because of disobedience, those that are polluted and those that are perverted and those that have been, Lord God, led astray, those that have been reprobated those that have been lord god bitten by the poison of the enemy lord god they shall overcome him by the blood of the lamb by the word of their testimony we thank you that today it is now the blood of the lamb the blood of the lamb that is able to purify our blood from the venom of, of vipers and viperous snakes and spiritual wickedness and high places and, and all types of spirits that are not of God spirits of jealousy and envy and spirits of perversion and spirits of lust and spirits of fornication and all types of filthiness oh God it is the blood that purifies it is the blood that sanctifies it is the blood that makes us whole it's the blood that makes us white as snow it is the blood that makes us clean again it is the word it is the washing by the water of the word Lord God today we come into the supernatural place the place of cleansing we come come into into your courts we come into your divine place your holy place we step now into the holy place and we trust you God that you're sanctifying us that you're purifying us that you're washing us again we stand at the brazen laver and we look at ourselves oh God and we ask you Lord to make us more more like you Jesus Lord change us Lord make us Lord shape us Lord mold us Lord create in us a clean heart renew in us a right spirit we need you Jesus we need you Lord we're asking for you to make us again. Lord, shape us again. Lord, cleanse us again. Lord, wash us again. Lord, purge us again. In the name of Jesus, this is our prayer today, oh God. This is the prayer of the church. This is the prayer of the saints. This is the prayer of your people that we can be holy. Lord, we want to live holy. Lord, we want to walk holy. Lord, we want to live holy. Lord, we want to live holy. This is our prayer today, oh God, that we be set apart, that we be sanctified, that we be purified by the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. 
for your coming back. We believe you, Jesus, that you're coming back. You're coming back for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. You're coming back for a people that have had their robes washed in the blood, in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus, you're coming back for a sanctified people. You're coming back for a sold-out people. You're coming back. You're coming back for the righteous. For you said in your word that the righteous shall scarcely make it into the kingdom. So where shall the sinner and where shall the ungodly appear? Oh God, we cry out. We cry out to you today. For you said in your word to pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape those things that are to come. We pray that we might be accounted worthy to escape the great tribulation, the great tribulation. We don't want to be left here. We don't want to be left here. For you said that in the 12th hour that the bridegroom came. The bridegroom came looking for oil. For no man knows the day and no man knows the hour that the Son of Man shall appear. But our prayer today is that when you find us, you find us ready that when you find us you find us living holy that when you find us you find us in your presence Lord don't let the enemy don't let the enemy deceive us don't let the enemy seduce us don't let the enemy mislead us but we pray oh God that we be the people the people of the righteous the people of God that we shall be your people and you shall be our God that Lord we would bring forth that which is holy that we would show forth the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light this is our prayer today bring us out of darkness bring us out of darkness bring our life out of darkness oh God we pray in the name of Jesus that we walk in the light somebody clap your hands and say Lord help me to walk in the light help us to walk in the light for we are the children of the day we are not the children of the night Lord God help us to walk circumspectly help us to walk in the light the light of your word 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 in the name of Jesus, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Oh, somebody shout let there be light 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let there be light in our spirit. Let there be light in our soul. Let there be light in our minds and our hearts. Let the light of your word, for your word is a lamp. Your word is a lamp unto our pathway. Your word is a light unto our, our, our path. Your word, oh God, is a light. Your word is a lamp. Your word is illumination. Your word is enlightenment. Your word is understanding. We pray in the name of Jesus that we walk in the light. No more darkness. No more living in darkness. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say in Jesus name. Come on say in Jesus name. Come on say in Jesus name. I want you to get your Bibles. We are called to a perpetual sanctification. I just want to speak what I hear the Lord say. We are called to a perpetual purification. Which means we must always pray the prayer of sanctification. Our progression into the presence of the Lord must always remain the same. Are you ready? Lord, teach me how to pray. If we want to pray, if we're called to pray, and we are, we are called to pray in the divine order that has been set before us by the word of God. I hope that you have your Bible, you have your pen, have your paper. We're going to go to the word of God. We've been in a series called, Lord, teach me how to pray. Tonight, I want to start right here. Today, I want to start right here. In order for us to pray, we must pray according to the pattern that has been set before us through scriptures. In order for us, let me change that if you're, if you're taking notes. Let me change that a little bit. In order for us to pray effectively, add that. In order for us to pray effectively, we must remain true to the pattern that has been set before us by the word of God. There is a progression into the presence of the Lord that must remain in order. When we change the order, we change the results. Oh my goodness. If you're taking notes, write that down. If we change the order, we change the results. If I give you instruction as to how to make a cake, you can have all the right ingredients, but if you don't do it in order, 
you're going to have something that is not edible. And you could even have something that makes you sick. You can't put the eggs in after the rest has already been in the oven. You put everything in the oven. You leave out the eggs. And then you wait till it's done. And try to put eggs on top of that. Raw eggs. It's not done. And it's not going to be good. Because you didn't do it in order. Going back to what the Lord was saying. God has set a divine order when it comes to prayer. There is a perpetual and for those that visit the presence of God, those that visit the most holy place, it is a repetitious order. Let me make it very clear for you. I want you to understand what I'm saying. There is a order. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and so on. There is a order to prayer. Your prayer may be custom, but it must remain true to the order of the word. In order to be effective, oh my goodness. Now some of you are saying, well, where is that in the Bible? It's in the Bible when the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him what we're talking about today. They ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And when Jesus began to teach them how to pray, he set the guidelines and he set the divine parameters for every prayer that is to be prayed effectively. If we want to pray effectively and not pray amiss, we must follow the order that has already been set by Jesus Christ. Okay, what is the order? Let's go through the Lord's Prayer. Now, before we start talking about the Lord's Prayer, because the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is the most effective prayer that we could ever pray in the earth. Now, I would say it's the second most effective prayer. Because we're, we're in a series, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so I want to talk to you about it a little bit. Okay. I just want to share this with you a little bit. Okay. So let, let me say that again. The Lord's Prayer is the second. Let me slow down a little bit. The Lord's Prayer is the second most effective prayer we could pray in the earth. And you might say, what is the most effective prayer? What is the most powerful and effective prayer that we could pray in the earth? The most powerful and effective prayer that we can pray in the earth is the prayer of salvation. Now, when I say the prayer of salvation, and we're in this series, Lord, teach me how to pray. Throughout this series, I'm going to be talking and teaching about every type of prayer you could pray. There are at least five or, if I'm not mistaken, seven types of prayer that we can pray. 
all there are different types of prayer. There's a, there's a prayer of salvation, which I'm going to touch on a little bit. Prayer of thanksgiving. There's prayers of, you know, all types of prayer. Okay. Different types of prayer. So the type of prayer I want to touch on just for a moment is the prayer of salvation. The prayer of salvation is the most powerful prayer we could pray in the earth. Now, when you hear the prayer of salvation, most people think, Lord, save me, forgive me of my sins. That is the prayer of salvation. But there's also, Lord, save me in this instant, meaning someone who is on the verge of or in an emergency or in a desperate situation. Someone who prays a desperate prayer. Someone could pray a desperate prayer without saying much at all. This is a prayer similar to when uh, Peter is walking on the water. And when Peter begins to sink and he shouts, Jesus, save me, Lord, save me. He says, Lord, save me. Three words. He says three words. Lord, save me. That are three of the most powerful words he ever said in his life. Because he prayed that prayer with desperation, with intentionality, with passion. Prayers are more effective and less effective based on passion. There are many components to prayer, but passion is a key component to prayer. Your passion is dependent upon how you personally not feel but believe. Now you may feel desperate. But it is, it is not the feeling of desperation that brings about the answer to prayer. It's not the feeling of desperation that brings about the answer to prayer. It is the sincerity of desperation. In other words, just because you feel like it's an emergency doesn't mean it's an actual emergency. The other day, the other night, I heard a powerful message from uh, Dr. Belinda Scott. And she began to teach and speak prophetically. Something she said that stood out to me. She said that there are a lot of people who are spiritually, uh, it's like uh, the emergency room. Uh, In the emergency room, people are to be seen right away. Most people who go to the emergency room are trying to be seen right away. But people are bumped up. In other words, they're able to go in a lot faster based on the amount of trauma, based on the situation that they're in. There are certain people who feel like they need immediate attention, but in actuality, they don't. There are a lot of people who feel that they're in emergency situations, but they're not. These are usually people that are in the flesh. We're more likely to be in our flesh when we're going through and when we're suffering. Is that fair to say? When you're suffering, you're more likely to be in your flesh. When you have pain, you're more likely to be in your flesh. When you're not feeling well, you're more likely to be in your flesh. Doesn't mean you have to be in your flesh, but you're more likely to be because at, at the, during those times, you're more vulnerable. And so everything can be like a, a big deal because it's a big deal to you. No one else feels the pain or experiences what you're going through. So although God is sensitive to your pain, he cares about what you're going through. He wants us to know that desperation is proved by our pursuit. Pursuit is the proof of passion. Dr. Rod Parsley said that. Pursuit is the proof of passion. In other words, the man who sat by the pool of Bethesda, who was sick for 18 years, he could have at least tried to move towards the water. But instead of trying to move towards the water, he made every excuse he could as to why he couldn't get in the water. 
people who are suffering, people who are going through times of hardship, people that are going through times of, of, of turmoil, uh, persecution, uh, times of sickness, times of feeling rejected, times of loneliness, all these different things that we go through in this life. People who are suffering are more likely to feel helpless when they pray. God is not attracted to helplessness. I know that sounds insensitive, but God is not attracted to helplessness. God is attracted to passion. God moves according to desperation and not the feeling of desperation, but the sincerity of desperation. Not I feel that I'm in a desperate moment according to my feelings, but no, I am desperate for God because of my faith. You see the difference? I'm not in a desperate moment because of my feelings. I am desperate because I have faith in God. So going back to what I was saying, there is the prayer of salvation, which is not only Jesus saved me of my sins, but it can also be Lord save me. Like when Peter was going to sink, it could also be Lord save me. Uh, there's some other examples in the Bible. Let, let me go back to what I was saying originally. Okay. There are several different types of prayers, prayer of salvation, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of um, the prayer of faith, which is more of a corporate prayer uh, that saves the sick. There are so many different types of prayers in the Bible. Today, I want to focus on this. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is the second most powerful type of prayer that we can pray in the earth. The most effective prayers, I believe, based on my study, based on what I believe by faith and what I believe by revelation. This is just what I believe personally. This is not, you know, when I say what I believe, I mean, uh, based on my study of scripture, based on what I've uh, studied and what I know, you know, you might ask another prophet, they may tell you something different based on what I believe. And I'm telling you, I believe this personally, and I'm sharing it with you. The second most effective type of prayer that we can pray is the Lord's prayer. The most effective prayer we can pray is the prayer of salvation because that is the prayer. Watch this. Okay, watch this. I'm going to try to go slow and break this down for you. Today, we're going to talk about the progression that must remain the same. The order to prayer. There is a order to prayer like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. First do this, second do that, third do that, fourth do that, fifth, sixth, seventh. Prayer is done in a progression. There are times when I'm really, really, you know, when I pray in the spirit. But in all that prayer, it doesn't matter how far out there I get. The Holy Spirit is true to the pattern. The Holy Spirit is not delirious. I don't know who came up with that. I don't know who taught us that. That is not in the Bible. People have it have this false perception that somebody who is overwhelmed by the spirit is delirious and out of their mind where is that in the bible show me a verse in the scripture that would prove or back up that being drunk in the spirit means that you are literally out of it to the point where you've lost your mind essentially or you're to the point where you can't think properly or to where you'll do things that are unseemly or out of order. Are you hearing me? 
Because people make the excuse of, oh, he's drunk in the spirit or I'm so drunk in the spirit. I've seen people who, who possibly either are possessed with demons or demonically oppressed who act out in church services and they blame it on being drunk in the spirit when the spirit has nothing to do with you acting unseemly. Are you hearing me? Now you say, well, what does this have to do with Lord? Teach me how to pray. Well, the Lord wants to teach us how to pray in the spirit and not in the flesh because there are people who claim to be praying in the spirit who are actually praying in their flesh. How do we know they're in their flesh? Because what they do or say is unseemly and not according to scripture. Are you understanding what I'm saying? People can, and, and so many people, they can try to act like, oh, that's a prophet who's so deep. He's so out there. He's so deep in the spirit that he is just, he's here, but he's not here. As long as you live in an earthly body, we are governed by certain laws. And we are also governed by spiritual laws. And our actions and behavior are to be governed by the scripture and the word of God. Are you hearing me? So the Holy Spirit could never be to blame for us acting unseemly. If anything, the Holy Spirit should be credited when our actions and behavior are in order. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul and the apostles, when you read the Bible, when you read the New Testament, Paul and the apostles often wrote to the church about how they conducted themselves. They would say things like, when we were around you, we conducted ourselves in order. We didn't just preach to you, but we stayed with you and we fellowship with you so that you could see how we behave, how we act, how we talk, how we, how we handle people. We don't claim to be out in some spiritual cloud to the point where we're not able to be conscious of being respectful and honoring. We're not going to be out somewhere to where we have lost our mind to the point where we are not able to do things decent and in order. You understand what I'm saying? You got to be careful with that because that's a lot of times when people start acting like that and doing stuff like that, they're actually in their flesh. They could be so, they could be the most in their flesh. They're more likely to be in their flesh. Even though it seems like it's a spiritual experience, it's not. Because if it's a spiritual experience, the Holy Spirit operates in order. He does not act like someone who has lost his mind. He does not flail around and hit people like he's lost his mind. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's you and your flesh. He does not prophesy to people and say things that would embarrass them. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's you and your flesh. That's you and your gift and your flesh. Because people can have a gift, but not know how to use it properly because they have not been under the authority of the Holy Spirit or they have not been governed by the Word of God. People forget the fact that the Holy Spirit 
is subject to the Father. I can't, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Highlight that, underline that, put that in bold print. The Holy Spirit is subject to the Spirit of the Father. A.K.A. the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is subject to the Spirit of the Father. A.K.A. the Word of God. Watch this. So when Jesus prayed and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, this is how you pray. This is the blueprint for prayer. If you want to pray in the spirit and if you want to pray effectively, pray this way. He said, pray our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Now, I wasn't supposed to be teaching on the Lord's prayer today. But of course, I put up in a Facebook post today. The proof that we are the true children of God is when we begin to come to grips and rest in the fact that we are not in charge. The ultimate proof that you are a son or daughter of God is when you can give up your emotionalism and be governed to the ordinances of God. Somebody, you don't understand what I just said. AKA, I remember a time. I'll tell you a little story. I remember a time I was just beginning to operate in the prophetic. My parents knew I had a gift and an anointing. And I used to ask my dad, after you preach, can I say something for like two minutes or three minutes or just really, really short? I knew I had to be short. I couldn't be long. You can't be long and in the spirit. Oh, my goodness. If you have been asked to be governed by a time frame, the Holy Spirit is so intelligent. He is so intelligent and he is so aware. He is not out of it to the point where he's like, Oh, I just lost track of time. Now, when you are the one like the prayer altar here, if the prayer altar is the one in all glory be to God, if I'm here operating in leadership as the one who has been entrusted to have this prayer altar, I can go over time. I don't have a set time. I don't have a set time. The prayer altar doesn't have a set time. We could be here for two hours, three hours, four hours, five. You know, we don't do that, but we could be here as long as we want to. But when you're in a situation where you are under a leader or a pastor and they have said you have four minutes to do such and such and so. The Holy Spirit is so intelligent. He is more intelligent than we are. Oh, my goodness. Somebody, you need to tweet that. You need to write that down. The Holy Spirit is smarter than you. People have this false, warped perception that didn't come from the Bible. Where are they getting this stuff from? This stuff is coming straight from the devil that have people thinking, I'm in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I don't have to be governed by your laws or your principles or or your rules. Or It's a spirit of rebellion. It's a spirit of rebellion is what it is. It says, as long as I claim to be in the spirit, I don't have to be obedient to laws, principles. I don't have to honor leadership because I'm in the spirit. No, you are in your flesh. And the proof that you're in your flesh is that you cannot be subject to authority. People don't get that. Well, I got a word. But you can't 
be subject to authority. This is why we have so many pop-up pastors. They popped up as pastors because they could not be subject to anybody's leadership. So instead of being subject, they decided to become the head themselves. And they get themselves in trouble because they're in a position that they're not ready for. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you this story. Let me go back to my story. My, My parents used to give me a few minutes after my dad preached to share the word. I rarely, and I'm going to be honest, you know, it's not to say I never went over time, but I rarely remember a time where I went and, and, and gave something after my dad preached and did it so, so long to the point where people were like, is he preaching again? The, the Holy Spirit knows how to operate decent and in order to where you can come behind a leader who just preached and not try to out-preach them. Oh my goodness. And not try to make yourself look bigger or better. But to do so in the spirit of agreement to where it is clear that my leader just preached and I didn't come up here to preach after him. But I'm coming to now honor what has been said and to confirm what has been said. As the Bible says, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. When the second prophet comes to confirm what the first prophet said, they're not trying to outdo the first prophet. Are you listening to me? And you say, what does this have to do with prayer? Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray to where I'm not so off out into the spirit that I forget spiritual protocol. I can't be so out in la la land to the point where I forget to be subject to the higher powers. Because if I'm to the point where I can't be subject under leadership and I can't be subject to the word of God and I can't be subject to the instruction of God then I need to sit down. It's better for me to wait. Are you hearing me? The Lord blessed me. The Lord opened up a tremendous opportunity for me to go to Valor Christian College. I completed two years of college, which is what a lot of people do when they go to Bible school. I completed two years. A lot of people don't continue four years. I completed two years. I could have stopped then I could have went out and said, okay, I got two years of school. Before I had the two years of school, I already had about 10 years of preaching experience. I'm going to step out here and I'm going to start pastoring by myself, regardless of what my parents say. People have no idea the amount of things that I don't do because my leaders told me not to. I don't care how much anointing you have. If you cannot be subject to the anointing on somebody else's life, you're in trouble. The confirmation of a true prophet is that there is another prophet that he listens to. Daniel listened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah came before Daniel. 
And Daniel was subject to the words that were written by Jeremiah. Every prophet in the Bible were subject or in, in some type of submission to another prophet that came before them. The trouble comes when you have so-called prophets that can't nobody tell anything and can't nobody correct and can't nobody sit them down. They can't be subject to even five minutes. If you tell them, okay, okay, prophet, so-and-so, I want you to talk, but only talk five minutes. Here we are, two hours later, they're still talking. They can't be subject to a five-minute time frame, but yet they want to go to the nations. We can't trust you to obey a small command, a small request okay I'm almost done let me end with this right here let's end with this right here then we're going to pray and be done as you can tell I'm not here for your offering I thank God for your giving but I'm here to minister to you the truth and truth like this makes people not. But you know what? I'm not here for your gift. I'm not here for your offering. I'm here to preach to you the truth. And those that love the truth will honor it by giving. Yes, it's, a, it's about that time for you to give toward the work of the Lord. I would be honored if you would give and sow a seed. But as you can tell by what I'm giving you today. I'm not on here to get something from you, but I'm on here to get something to you that money can't buy. Money cannot buy the word of God. Money cannot buy the anointing and not just the anointing to prophesy and be used, but the anointing to be set down, the anointing to be in submission, the anointing to listen, the anointing to shut your mouth, the anointing to serve. The anointing to humble yourself. It takes the anointing to be humble. People without the anointing find it hard to be humble. I have met, I don't think I've ever really met someone who is humble, truly humble, who didn't have the anointing on their life. Being humble is not something the flesh does naturally. Being humble is a supernatural move of God on your life. For you to take who you are and come under authority. It takes the spirit of God. So I do want to give you a chance to give if you would like to give. Pentecost is tomorrow. I'm asking all that can to sow and to honor the Lord with a $53 seed. 50 is that powerful number connected to Pentecost. I'm, I'm asking everyone that can, everyone that will. To sow that $53 seed, you can go to our website, impartjesus.com, or you can go to our cash app, which is dollar sign prophet Jonathan, dollar sign prophet J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. You can give to the work of the Lord. But let me end with this right here. At the beginning, I begin to talk to you about the pattern. And I don't have time to go into it because all of our time is about gone. But I want to end with this. The pattern that I was talking to you about is the pattern of the tabernacle. 
The tabernacle has an outer court. It has an inner court. And it has the holies of holies. When Jesus gave the Lord's prayer, which I told you is the second most powerful prayer we can pray in the world, in the earth realm. The Lord's prayer is structured after the tabernacle. And I want to share that with you. I want to teach that to you very soon. We're going to come back to the prayer altar and we'll do another part to Lord teach me how to pray. And I want to show you how the Lord's prayer is styled after the tabernacle. What is the tabernacle? The tabernacle is comprised of the outer gate. Then there is the outer court. So the outer gate, outer court. Okay. Then there is the door. But before you get to the door, there's a brazen altar. There's a brazen laver. Then you get to the door. One, two, three. When you go inside, there's three things in there. There is a table of shoe bread. One. There's a candlesticks. Two. There is a table of, there is the uh, uh, incense, the holy incense. Three. There's three. There are three different components to every realm of the tabernacle. So outer court, there's a gate, the outer court. There's also brazen altar, brazen laver. Then there's the door. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the door. When you get beyond the door, you get to the inner court. In the inner court, there are three things. Candlestick, bread, incense. You go inside the most holy place, the holies of holies. There is the Ark of the Covenant. There is, there aren't any candles in there. Okay. There's the Ark of the Covenant. There is the uh, testimony of the saints, which is in the Ark of the Covenant. All right. Um, holy, holy is the Lord. And then you find Jesus Christ himself there. He is the light in the holies of holies. He's the light. So when he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the light. Uh, there's also a veil. I didn't mention that. So there's the veil. Then there is the Ark of the Covenant. And then there's a testimony in the Ark. So I, I would say that's three. Okay. So there's three in every dimension. So let's go back through it again. There's the outer gate, outer court. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you about all these th- things because all these things we can teach on each of the, each of them by themselves. But I'm all out of time, so I'm going kind of fast. So there's an outer gate, outer court. There's a door. Before you get to the door, there's a brazen altar, brazen laver. Okay? So one, two, three. Brazen altar, brazen laver, door. Get inside the door. One, two, three. Candlestick. Table of shoe bread. Incense. One, two, three. You get inside there, there's three more. Veil. Ark of the Covenant. Testimony of the saints. Veil. Ark of the Covenant. Testimony of the saints. There is no there is no lamp. There is no light. There is no candle in the holies of holies. Because Jesus himself is the light in there. If you make it there. Because remember the veil is that valley of the shadow of death that David talked about. That you may or may not get to the holies of holies. But that is the goal. That's AKA like getting to heaven, seeing Jesus. You know, this is the progression of prayer. And this is the progression of the Lord's prayer. All right. So I want to teach you. We're going to, we're going to go into some teaching soon. We're going to do Lord, teach me how to pray. We'll do part six and, and so on. And I'm going to be teaching you about how the Lord's prayer is styled after 
the tabernacle. And then what I want you to see, every prayer that we pray, if we want to be effective, it must be according to the order of the Lord's prayer. What's the order? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Come on, lift up your hands. We're about to pray and be done. I want to pray before we go that the anointing that is on here, we want to pray that the anointing that is moving right now, that it move into your home. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. That's how you get in. Once you get in, then you see the brazen altar. Then you see the brazen laver. The brazen altar is where Jesus said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto me, which is your reasonable service. There's a brazen laver. The Bible says we're washed by the water of the word. Be washed, be cleansed by the washing of the water of the word of God. That's the brazen laver. The Bible says, beholding our face as a glass, we see the mirror. We look at the mirror. We see who we are and we're washed in the blood. David said, creating me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Oh yes, that's what he was talking about. The washing at the brazen laver. Then there's the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. We go through Jesus Christ and we enter into the holy place. What is in the holy place? There's a brazen... There's a candlestick. The candlestick. No, let's, let's, let's not start there. Let's start with the table. There's a table of shoe bread. The table of shoe bread is made from acacia wood. It is covered with gold. The wood represents flesh. Flesh must be covered in deity, the gold, the the majesty of God. God is covering your flesh. God is covering your mind, your human thinking, your logic, your intellect with the deity, the mind of Christ. What's on the bread, the table of shoe bread? Twelve loaves of bread are placed on the table, which can represent the 12 tribes of Israel, which can represent the 12 apostles, which can represent that God is doing this for everyone in every nation. Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. He said, you must eat me. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part with me. So when we eat of that bread, we become like Jesus Christ. What is also in there? What's also in the inner court is something called the incense. No, let, let's jump back over. Let's jump back over to the candlestick. The golden candlestick. It is not like candlesticks that you sit on a, a little thing where you put candlesticks on and one candlestick and another candlestick. No, 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 no. The candlestick is made out of gold. It is completely, it is one complete entity. It is not separate candles. So get that out of your mind. So don't think of the candlesticks as separate little candles. The candlesticks is one golden, it is a grave, it is made, it is engraved, it is shaped as one candlestick. All the oil is all flowing together. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
tw- so it's it's nine nine candles which represent the nine well really seven it depends on which depends on which one you talk about here but um, there is a candlestick the one that we focus on is the one with nine because there are nine fruit of the spirit and then there are nine gifts of the spirit all right so the candlestick it represents the anointing and the spirit that flows through all of us some prophesy some are apostles some pastors some evangelists some teachers the bible said he gave gifts unto men word of wisdom word of knowledge the working of miracles all of that is the candlesticks in the inner court are you hearing me then we go over to the incense the incense represents the divine worship of god when you go into that dimension of prayer you've now tapped into worship worship is the way into the holies of holies the incense is the aroma it is that holy smell the sweet smelling savor of the presence of god and when that incense goes off it can also represent our offering our offering which means when you give an offering it goes up as a smell as an incense when you give worship it goes up as a smell as an incense when you pray it goes up as a smell as an incense it gives an aroma it gives a supernatural holy uh, uh, essence of vapor that flows up to heaven are you hearing me are you hearing me are you hearing me we're almost done we're almost done then you get to the veil the veil is represented by the flesh this is the pattern of prayer I, uh, we're going to teach I'm going to teach as, as, as the Lord helps me with the help of the Holy Spirit I want to teach you that every part of the tabernacle is in your prayer life you do this already some of you you do this you don't even know it you are already making a tabernacle in the realm of the spirit when you pray and you don't even know this is what you're doing because when you reach the dimension of the incense you are reaching the dimension of worship and the vapor of your offering and the vapor of your tithing and the vapor of your praise and the vapor of your worship and this holy aroma it goes up to heaven it is received in heaven as a sweet smelling savor then you have the green light to go to the holies of holies there's a veil before the priest can walk through the veil they must have the mitre upon their head they must have the linen robe on they must have the blue they must have the tassels at the end of their robe with bells and pomegranates representing their divine authority both in heaven and in earth and on their head on that mitre is written holy unto the Lord 
And when the priest stepped into the veil with bells and pomegranates, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death into the, the divine glory of the presence of the spirit of life. They walk circumspectly. They walk in humility. They walk willing to lay down their life. And when they get into the holies of holies, they find the Ark of the Covenant. Many of you have seen the pictures that I put up on Facebook, on Instagram. When I tell people about the prayer altar, I don't show them a picture of me. Every once in a while, I'll put up one of the pictures of me. But for the most part, we put up the picture of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is the goal. That is the bullseye. That is the point that we're trying to reach. That is the destiny of prayer. When you get to the holies of holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant. One angel on the left. One angel on the right. Who are these angels? Michael and Gabriel. The two olive branches that stand before the Lord as witnesses of all that has happened in heaven and in earth since the beginning of time. Since God said, let there be light and he created the angels. There were three angels. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Now there are two. Michael, Gabriel. These are the angels. It is believed that these are the angels that stood where Jesus was laid in the tomb. The Bible says when they went looking for the body of Jesus, they found two angels, one standing at his head and one standing at his foot. angels said to the women why look ye for the living among the dead for he is not here but he is written he has risen like he said he would this is the divine place, the destiny of all prayers, the holies of holies. It's the place where you have a testimony. For in the Ark of the Covenant lies the testimonies of the saints. And the Bible says, and they overcame him that great serpent that became a great dragon and they overcame him somebody open up your mouth and worship God for his presence is moving into your home 
His presence is moving upon you tonight. His presence is moving upon you right now. The anointing of God. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And the angels of the Lord sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When I see, and we're going to go, we're getting ready to go. We've gone over time. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us. We've gone over time. But this is now holy time. This is holy time. Holy time. When I see those two angels, when I see the Ark of the Covenant, why do I put it up? Why do I put that picture up so much? Why do I have a small, small little replica of it sitting here on my desk? When it is the timing of the Lord and He allows me to make my own real life tabernacle in the world, I'm talking about a real tabernacle again the tabernacle of worship why do I want to build that ark in the tabernacle why is the tabernacle so important to me because when I see that tabernacle I see the two angels one standing at his foot and one standing at his head and I see the empty tomb that Jesus is no longer dead. One angel at his head. One angel at his foot. Standing in the earth. Two angels. Taller than any man. Mightier than any man. One angel can destroy an entire city. Maybe even two cities. Michael and Gabriel. Archangels. Who knows their power and authority to destroy the earth. If the Lord allows them. One standing at his head, one standing at his foot, standing taller than any man in the earth, and looking up unto heaven. Oh, And seeing the very bottom of his throne, knowing that there is an angel below him. Angels to his left, to his right, angels above him, and four angels that stand before him, which are the four beasts of heaven. And in the middle of them is the title deed of the earth. A scroll rolled together with seven seals on it. And standing before the scroll is a lamb like he had been slain. Oh, 
all of heaven and all of the earth is waiting for that day when the chorus of heaven sings to Jesus thou art worthy to take the book thou art worthy to open the seals thereof we don't know the day or the hour that the seals begin to open and the earthquakes begin to happen in the earth could it be after the rapture could it be before the rapture we don't know we don't know all we know is that when those seals start opening things start happening in the earth the birth pains intensify they start happening more quickly because Jesus is about to take his church and rapture them in a moment in a twinkling of an eye we'll be standing before his throne worshiping at his feet and the 24 elders will throw their crowns cast their crowns before him and we will sing worthy is the Lamb delirious it doesn't mean you're out of your mind 
It doesn't mean you're spiritually out of control. When you reach the deep places of the spirit, you will come under the control, under the charge of the person of Christ. And you will be obedient. Somebody say amen. Amen. And amen. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of the prayer altar. We're going to be back very soon with another part of this series. I can't wait to teach about the tabernacle and the Lord's prayer. Stay tuned for these final words of announcement. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Join us the first of every month for Holy Communion live on the prayer altar. Brought to you by InPartJesus.com The series on the book of Revelation continues live on the prayer altar all year long. If you ever miss an episode, listen on demand on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and much more. Stay connected at InPartJesus.com. The Revelation series will bless your life and change your life. Stay connected at InPartJesus.com. The prayer altar is all new.